Hi, welcome to the Garden Path Podcast. This is Season 2, Episode 8, and I'm your host, Misty Little. Doing today's intro a little bit differently because it is a gorgeous spring day, so I am recording this intro at lunch on uh, my picnic table in my backyard. So if you hear wind chimes and lots of birds, um, enjoy it because it's a, I'm going to try to translate this nice nature to you guys. Um, before I get started introducing today's guest, I wanted to announce that I'm doing a little trial of something that I hope to continue on in further seasons. Um, I would like to do a book club. Um, I've heard it on other podcasts and I've really enjoyed it. Oh, the bells are a little loud there. <laughs> so I thought I would start with The Secret Garden by Frances Hodgson Burnett. It's a child classic and I've read it several times in the past. It's been probably a decade since I've read it. Um, but I thought it would be something fun um, and would be able to relate to a lot of other gardeners as well. Plus, it's kind of one of those books that makes you wish you had that kind of garden. Um, I definitely don't think I could get that cottage garden English country look here in Southeast Texas, but I might like to dream about it. So, I'm going to let you guys know about that now so you can pick up the book if you already have it or maybe you get it from the library find it at a used bookstore uh, and take the next few weeks to to sort through that and read it um, I'm going to be discussing it with Elizabeth um, who was on episode 1-7 last year we're both big readers uh, we talk Outlander uh, series on one of her podcasts so we're, we're definitely she's my go-to book reader um, so I think that will air sometime in early or late April, kind of winding down the second season of the podcast. Um, and I'll remind you guys over the next few episodes as well to do that. So also you can find me on Instagram at the garden path podcast. You can find me on YouTube on the garden path podcast and drop me an email. If you want at the garden path podcast at gmail.com Man, those chimes are loud. <laughs> I am going to go ahead and introduce my guest for today, and it is Renee Gardner. Garner. She is an artist based out of North Carolina, and we've known each other online for at least 10 years, if not a little bit longer than that, back when garden forums and garden blogs were kind of in their heyday. Um, I think I actually met her on the Gala Trails You Go Grow Girl forums uh, back when those were up. I think it was Seed Swap and followed her blog and just over the years we've just kind of gotten to know each other um in that way and I've actually tried to get her on this podcast for a long time now but um it can be kind of tricky coordinating my schedule and uh the guest schedule so we finally pinned down a date and had a conversation uh a few weeks ago it wasn't as long as we wanted um I had to do it on my lunch hour and she had a little kid at home so you'll hear him at the end um kind of funny um, but I hope you guys enjoy the episode. If you have any questions, uh, feel free to leave a comment on the blog post, uh, and I'll put the, uh, show notes will be up on, um, <clears throat> the gardenpathpodcast.com for the things that we talked about. So enjoy the episode y'all. <laughs> okay. So we are broadcasting. So I guess if you want to go ahead and, uh, introduce yourself, tell us who you are and where you garden and maybe a little bit about yourself. Okay. I am Renee Garner and I garden in North Carolina in the Piedmont. It's zone 7B. 
Um, and I'm a stay-at-home mom and illustrator and gardener. <laughs> <laughs> and so you've been gardening, I don't know, a long time. Is, did you grow up gardening or did you kind of grow into it as you got older? I, um, no, I didn't grow up gardening, but when I moved back into this house in my early 20s, um, it's the house that my grandparents built and my grandmom did a lot of planting around the yard. So I kind of wanted to learn about gardening and taking care of what she planted. So that's what got me first interested. And then I joined the You Grow Girl forums and just kind of got hooked from there. Yeah, that's where I found you. Like, and that's been so long ago, like 12 years ago or something. Yeah, I know. And that's why I'm excited to talk to you too, because you know, you cultivate these like online friendships for so long and you actually get to kind of either, it's hard to meet people in person these days, but you know. But the internet's good for shortening that distance a little bit. Yes, for sure. Um, So the Piedmont area, can you describe that for people who aren't very familiar with North Carolina? Well, we have mountains to our west and then the coast to the east and we're kind of right in the middle. So uh, if you garden in North Carolina, I think the weather warms up about two weeks before everywhere along the coast and then two weeks after in the mountains. It's kind of the best I can figure. So we're kind of right in the middle of those right climates. Okay. Um, so when you came back to living in the house that you're in, what kind of state was the garden in? Was it kind of old and tired and you had to revitalize it or? Well, no, not really. I mean, the, so she planted a lot of uh, like fig trees and daffodils and stuff like that. So it was more, you know, along the perimeter, it wasn't a true garden, but it was just, I just wanted to learn how to, I didn't even, you know, know how to take care of daffodils. I didn't know that I just needed to leave them alone. <laughs> but, um, but everything that she planted really thrived on its own. It didn't need that much care, but like I said, I didn't know even where to start with it. So uh, there, there are a lot of like, pecan trees we have a walnut trees a chestnut tree just uh, she thought long term right and is, yeah. is your grandmother still alive no she died when I was three. Oh, okay so it's kind of a way for me to connect with you know with my ancestors too. right right and did that walnut is that where you made the walnut ink from it is yeah that's cool yeah. Yeah, this is the first year we've kind of, we got something that could actually crack the nuts because it's a black walnut. And then uh, well, I start by making the ink from it. And then we've been cracking the nuts kind of as, as we want to eat them. So do you grow girl forums? Is that who kind of helped you cultivate your garden and get going? Or were you starting to research that beforehand? Um. Well, I was working at the time, so and the job I had gave me a lot of time to spend on the internet because I was a secretary, and it was just, you know, a little bit of clerical, but a lot of just sitting around wondering. So uh, I'm sure I looked all over the internet, but I, there was something about the You Girl Girl forums that like, clicked with me because it, most of the people seemed to be about my age, and they had the same philosophies on growing things. So that's where I learned most of it. And it was from other people's firsthand experiences. Okay. I, um, 
I've noticed in your blogs, well, you haven't blogged a lot lately, but in your, your, <laughs> your gardening blogs over the years that you definitely do a lot of interplanting. I see a lot of edibles in with ornamentals and yeah. that kind of thing. What, what's made you do that? Well, you know, when I, I guess when I first started, I was as interested in ornamentals as edibles, but now my interest is in more like perennial edibles and right. the ornamentals that it just kind of, it all mixes in and it might be a shrub that like a rose shrub or something that you don't, you wouldn't consider an edible, but I mean, you get rose hips off of it or just kind of think about thinking about the plants and if they can, what else they can offer besides. Just know, looking a, pretty. Yeah. Right. So what kind of plants would those be that you um, have? Let me think about what, <laughs> let me think about what I have. Um, a bloody dock is one. It's, you know, in a whole bunch of beds um, and sorrel, but just um, French sorrel and wood sorrel. Uh, really even just time because it gives kind of a low growing color year round. Yeah. Um, like the fig trees, they are along the side of our house and they provide some structure, but then, you know, through the summer we get fruit off of those. Right. Okay. <laughs> I was just trying to think of some other, some other plants that people might not be thinking about when they're landscaping and yeah, incorporating trying to go through our yard and, and remember what we have, you know, we have a, uh, a tea tree camellia uh, or green tea camellia. So that one, you know, it's pretty and it puts off flowers, but one day I'd like to try and make tea from it and just kind of get some, we have lots of elderberries there. They have pretty flowers and pretty berries, but you can use those as well. So, right. Yeah, I've always wanted to do the elderberries. Um, you know, I see it wild all the time. I've just never tried to cultivate it and get it going in our yard. Um, yeah. Did, I spent, did it, we spent so much money on dried elderberries. I had to do it. <laughs> did you buy the plants or did you like collect berries or how did you get that started? One person, when I took, I did a permaculture design certificate course. Um, and I got a twig there from somebody, but then I've gotten other ones from Gardens of the Blue Ridge, I think, on, online. I bought a couple from them. Uh, so I've tried to kind of diversify the, the stock a little bit in case one of them doesn't make it, but they've all done pretty well so far. Right. And you said you, said you took a permaculture design class. How was that? It was great. It was like 10 days in a, on a farm in Georgia. And so it was a pretty short course for a lot of the permaculture courses, but it, I mean, it was just overall a great uh, hands-on learning and it opened my eyes to new ways of thinking about doing things. Um, did you do that before kids or after? It was, I had signed up for it before kids and found out between signing up and going to it that I was pregnant with Mabel. So. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. I really kicked myself because they had some permaculture classes um, with, um, oh gosh, I can't think of the, the group now it's uh, in Houston there. And 
big on um, the community gardens. Uh, they kind of support the community gardens around here. They have a lot of permaculture classes. And before I had my son, I thought about going and I really kind of wish I'd invested that time to do that. Cause now I'm like, well, I'm not going to be doing that anytime soon. <laughs> yeah. So it gets easier the older they get, the younger they get or the older they get. I think right now you're kind of in that stage where it's, it's hard to, to get away for anything. <laughs> yes, definitely. Um, I guess with that, we, I talking about gardening with kids, how has, how has that happened for you? Has it been kind of a struggle and, years when things don't really hap- get going or I mean your kids are getting older now <laughs> yeah and it's and it's getting easier but yeah I mean there have been years where I've just kind of had to say it's not going to happen this year um, the good thing about when I was working in the community garden was that I could get I could take the kids or not take them you know and either way I could still get my gardening fix uh, here at home it, it's been harder because they've been at that really needy ages. Right. But, and then when that happened, I had to kind of let go and not have so much control over the gardening I did uh, and be okay with them digging in the dirt. And, you know, if I'm trying to plant something, it may not work out like I hoped it would. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I, you know, I just had to get, I get myself okay with that. And are they interested in gardening or are they just more like kind of play with you while you're outside? Uh, It depends on the day. (laughs) Really, Sometimes they're interested and they always have lots of questions. And um, last year during the spring, everything that I planted, Fox liked to call carrots. He was always interested in that. And I think that was because carrots were really a surprise for him, you know, that you could pull up this orange or whatever color right in the soil and it, you know and food came up but uh they have questions and they'll get out there and they'll help me plant things and and then some days we have a swing set out there and some days they don't want to help me plant they just want to play on the swing set or play in the sandbox or something but right it's good to be i think it's good to be flexible with both not make them garden but if they have questions answer the questions and show them the interesting stuff that's happening in the soil and all the bugs and the worms and stuff right yeah, it's definitely getting to be a better situation for me, too, because there was a time when, okay, everything's going in his mouth and everything's yeah. being pulled up. And, okay, I, I can't focus, but, you know, three three minutes to pull this weed and, okay, we're moving on. But um, right. yeah. finally set up a little spot in the vegetable garden for him. Like, okay, this is your section. You can dig. Just don't, you know, don't put too much soil out in the path here. <laughs> yeah. So we can spend, yeah. you know, 15 or 30 minutes out there now instead of what we were. So, yeah. Does he stay in his area or does he, is he interested in? Um, He is, he is definitely getting better as the months go by. So like maybe two months ago, he would have just climbed in the bed and done whatever. But now he, he's being able to listen and follow the directions a little better. So that helps. (laughs) I think at any age, we worked with kids in the community garden, any ages, it's hard to tell them not to step on the soil. (laughs) Right, right. That's the hardest thing to get through. And beyond that, they start getting curious and, and they want to see what's going on or, you know, and, and, and watch food grow or watch flower grow. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. He helped my husband plant some uh, sugar snap peas and that's fun. But um, other than that, he hasn't really helped plant too much, but he likes to water. He likes watering things. <laughs> so. Wait, sorry. I, a phone call was coming. In. I'm sorry. Oh, that's okay. What did you say? I didn't hear you. 
Um, I was just saying that he, my husband has helped him plant uh, sugar snap peas. And uh, so beyond that, he hasn't really helped plant too many things, but he does like to water, you know. Yeah. So that's helpful. Yeah. Watering is helpful. And and with my kids, at least getting them good, like sturdy tools instead of just, you know, plastic, like it's easy to find plastic gardening tools, but to give them the same tools I use has been really helpful. They seem to take it more seriously, I think. Right. Cause yeah. it's, if the adult's using it, then Hey, I could use it too. So. Yeah. And you have to tell them, you know, be careful with this or this is kind of sharp or, uh, and th- and they live up to that responsibility when you give it to them. Right. Yeah. I might, I might try that next year. <laughs> we still got all the plastic tools right now. So yeah. Um, so the permaculture design course, you're also a master composter, right? Yes. So and can you explain a little bit about that? Cause I don't think a lot of people probably know what that entails or even know it exists. Well, it, and I don't even know if it exists in Charlotte anymore, actually. Oh. Um, it might. I, the last time I saw they had it back up on the site, but it kind of, it's a program that has a, recently been a priority for um, Charlotte Waste Services. So uh, it was through the county and you sign up and you have to, you take a, um, that's another week long course, but this one, you don't live some, you know, outside of your home, you just go for two hours a day for a week. Uh, and you learn all about composting from the basics on up to uh, other, other methods of composting like Makashi and stuff like that. And so you get this really learning intensive course that, that it prepares you to go out into the community and, and teach other people to compost as a way to divert um, food scraps from the waste stream. And then you spend once, you know, once you get, once you finish the course, uh, you're supposed to spend several hours a year um, teaching people in the community. And sometimes it's churches, sometimes it's scout troops and stuff like that, how to make a basic compost bin. So so is it kind of like, I guess it's like, you know, master gardener where you got to kind of volunteer to keep your credits up kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's not quite as much as master gardening, but it's, it's along the same level. And here up until recently, it's been like the master composters are sources of information for organic gardening, where uh, master gardeners tend to use more like conventional methods for gardening. Mm -hmm. Uh, The master gardeners, I think are, are changing here and getting into more organic solutions, but when the program was started, it was really met that need of, of teaching people organic methods. Right. So what are, what would you say are some of the most, I guess the the mistakes composters make that you would tell them not to do? You know, when you're building your bins, I think underwatering, it was really the most surprising thing for me and probably the thing most people don't do enough of is that you really want your uh, your leaves and everything to be moist and it takes a lot of water initially to get that started once you have it in place it doesn't take you, you don't really need to upkeep the water amount but once you're getting started you really need to make sure you put the hose in there and get it kind of drenched right and what about any particular 
things that you shouldn't put in there? I mean, I know, but for the listeners. <laughs> uh, meat products, products like mayonnaise or um, oily products, I guess, butter and stuff like that shouldn't go in there. Uh, if you're doing bakashi, if you want like a small scale composting in-house method, bakashi, you can uh, compost meat scraps and oily stuff, but... Uh, I've never heard of that method. Can you talk about it a little bit? Uh, Bokashi is, uh, I guess it's a Japanese method. And it's kind of, you get this bucket. And if you search online for Bokashi, uh, it'll show you. There's a bucket that has a tap at the bottom. And you can make your own or you can buy one. And, And you put your food scraps in. And then you kind of lightly dust the top with the Bokashi brand, which is an inoculated brand. It's got... uh, microorganisms that kind of pickle the scraps um they don't start rotting immediately they basically they pickle and okay um uh, and then you go you fill up your bucket you know each time layering food scraps and then the bran and then after your bucket is full i, I think you leave it it's been a while since i've done because and then you bury it uh and if you're using something like, I know people, Bakashi, their uh, dog poop and stuff like that, then you would bury it huh. in an area where you aren't growing food. But otherwise, it's safe for food growing. And it, it turns into compost really quickly once, you know, once you've got it buried. Huh. I'll have to check that out. I've never heard of it. That sounds really interesting. <laughs> yeah, and it's really uh, space-saving. So it's good for people in apartments or... Um, you know, like when I was better at keeping up with it, that was another thing that kind of dropped when I had kids was keeping up with the worm bin and keeping up with Kashi. But uh, we would, you know, roast a chicken or two a week and, and you can throw the bones and scraps right in there. So it was perfect for us. One day I'll get back to it. Yeah. Huh. That's really cool. Um. You're also interested in herbs, and I've seen you go to other herbal classes and trying to guess, get into herbal medicine. Um, I'm not that familiar with it. I mean, I you know, grow some herbs, and I've you know made like some teas from mint and things like that. But that's basically all I've done. Um, what's what's your interest in that, and how have you, I guess, learned more about herbs? Uh, well, I'm still really new to it, and I've gotten a couple books. I have a quite found a book that really satisfies my interest in it you know as as far as like covering everything I want it to cover and and the herbs that I'm interested in but I I kind of pick an herb and it's I guess it started at that permaculture course where they were talking about elderberries and how and the healing properties of elderberries um and we learned about tincturing which I'd never done before and it so it's kind of you know, I came home, we used elderberries that or started using them through the uh, fall and winter. And I found there was some merit to it. It actually did improve our uh, immunity. Mm-hmm. And so then since then, it's kind of, I find an herb that I'm interested in and I'll, I'll try it and I'll get to know it and I'll learn if it helps or if I don't feel like it helps. And then I'll add that to the to the medicine cabinet, so to speak, and move on to the next one. But uh, most of it's learning from other people. 
so far, just word of mouth and you know, somebody saying, hey, try this. And so. so the elderberries where you're like drying the berries or you're making. Yeah. So you dry the berries and you can either tincture them in like in when you tincture, you know, you use either vodka or Everclear or something like that. So you can tincture them uh, or you can make them into a syrup with honey. So you boil it, just boil them in water until the water reduces significantly. And then you add honey to it. Huh. My family likes it with a little bit of cinnamon or something like that, but it's really simple, but the kids will drink it. It helps, you know, get rid of colds faster. I mean, it's just pretty amazing. <laughs> it's amazing that a, a, a plant that I can grow can do that for us, you know? Right. And that's, I guess that's what keeps me learn, trying to learn about it is that's a, a pretty amazing thing. It's a pretty incredible power to have. Um, so you're drinking this like every day or just like when you feel like, okay, I might be getting sick. We, we kind of, when something starts circulating around our family, we'll really pick it up. But, um, you know, you take, it's not a lot. It's like two, maybe two tablespoons a day or something like that. Okay. Huh. Yeah. And if you start feeling like you're getting sick, you can have more, but. Right. Hmm. So what other, what other herbs are you interested in? Um, uh, for medicinal use or just, well, either way. Like, yeah. Either way. Like just like, you know, regular enjoyment or, <laughs> or for... yeah. well, oregano is another one that I tincture and, uh, we use that, you know, as an antiviral, um, kind of medicine. And so I, I like that one a lot, but, um, I don't know. I like, we grow saffron and. Oh, really? That's a fun one to grow. Because uh, you get the pretty flowers and then you get to, you know, to enjoy it. And, right. And it's another one of those things where you don't really, you, if you buy saffron from the store, it's expensive, but it also doesn't really have a fragrance. Mm-hmm. And when you harvest it yourself, you actually kind of really understand what the beauty of it is. Right. Um. And how much are you planting to make, to get, get that saffron? We, uh, we have maybe, I don't know. We had more bulbs one at one time, but maybe about like 20 plants or something enough for us. And that's okay. about it. Okay. I was, wasn't sure if you like planted your whole yard or <laughs> what you did with that. <laughs> no, I would like to add more, but I haven't, you know, I just haven't gotten around to, to getting it at the right time of year. But, right. and it, it's a weird one that kind of puzzles me because they don't ship it until fall, but it's a fall blooming bulb. And I'd always thought if it blooms in the fall, you plant it in the spring. Spring. Right. But I don't know. I don't know what that's about. <laughs> maybe, maybe you can find a local source or of bulbs or I don't know. That's kind of weird. Yeah. Um, Oh, your showdown with your neighbors a couple of years ago, because you kind of definitely have a more eclectic garden than, you know, typical suburban lot. Um, is that still going on or has that been kind of resolved? Um, I wouldn't say it's resolved, but it uh, it's kind of a funny thing. <laughs> I think our neighbors realized that we aren't ones to just kind of back down and, and let them dictate how we do things. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I don't know. Every every year in the spring or early summer, we'll get a, a call from the town saying, 
your neighbor complained again and we'll say, oh, okay. And then they'll say, well, that's all we had to tell you. We'll say, okay, we'll talk to you next year. Because <laughs> <laughs> they can't really do anything about it. We're not, um, we're not doing anything against the law. It's right. just that people don't like our personal taste. And, uh, you know, and they've let us know that and we've let them know it's okay for them to have opinions, but we're not, you know, we're not growing thick vegetation that could harbor snakes and rats and possibly spread disease, which I think is just kind of a joke anyway. Right. Because people, I don't know, we just like funky and eclectic stuff and that's okay. (laughs) (laughs) The first time it happened and somebody complained, I, I, I went back with, well, you know, I have an art background. I, I understand visuals, but I don't think that this, that's a challenge that any town wants to take is to take on whether somebody's personal taste is appropriate. Right. Appropriate. You know, as long as it's seen, they don't really want to take that on. And they kind of agreed with us and have left us alone for the most part. Are there any other people in your neighborhood that garden how you are, or are you the the lone wolf it's actually you know more and more people are uh, more since we have been here see our yard our lot is kind of unique in that our backyard also faces a street right we have a front yard that faces a street and then the lot extends to another street mm. so people don't understand that our backyard is our backyard right we have, and we have more privacy in our front yard mm. but we have our raised beds and our um a fish pond and our chickens and everything are in our backyard. And when we started that, we were definitely the lone wolf in the neighborhood, but more and more people are getting interested in vegetable gardening and they don't have an option, but to put their garden in their front yard. Uh, I don't know. Right. I don't, maybe they just, people don't care so much about that anymore, but yeah, there are more and more houses. There's a house down the street that has, a full um, food forest in their front yard has an aquaponics set up in their front yard. So, wow. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, that's pretty crazy. Yeah. Yeah. It's good to see though. I mean, we should see more and more of that, you know? Right. Yeah. definitely. There's definitely been, I think the last 10 or 15 years, I just can't believe, I mean, it doesn't seem like 10 years ago was the mid 2000s. (laughs) I know. And again, I was trying to think about that for myself the day, like, okay, how did we get, like, what was the impetus for us to think about heirloom tomatoes? I mean, that was really, I think growing heirloom tomatoes really is what got us into growing food. And um, I don't even know. I just, it's like all of a sudden, you know, you see people talking about the local food and farmer's markets, and then it just seemed so niche. And then now it's just so commonplace. I just, and it's happened. It seems like it's happened fast, but I guess it has taken a decade. So yeah, and maybe, and maybe it's really been two decades because, you know, organic was really getting popular in like around 2000. And so, yeah, that's true. Yeah. I mean, when I was, I don't know, 19 or so, I worked at the nature company at the mall and they had some books on organic gardening, but it was hard to find any other information about it. Now, I mean, you can go anywhere, even to the big stores and you can find, you know, organic stuff, so. Right. Well, yeah. 
or there's publications in the magazine section, like of, you know, heirloom gardener and all these different, you know, gardening magazines. So, yeah, it's good, I guess. <laughs> it is. I think it's definitely good. I mean, um, I think just being able to grow your own food and try to be more sustainable is just, I don't know where we're heading these days. <laughs> yeah. And it, it's also, you know, it kind of bridges. I was talking to a friend the other day about how when everything seems so political, you can always find like, even among political differences, you can find common ground with like things like canning and composting and heirloom tomatoes. (laughs) Right. You know, other conversations you can have besides what's going on in the world. So I think that's always a plus. (laughs) Definitely. Yeah. That's uh definitely one way to still stay connected when you might be tense in other issues, I guess, yeah. <laughs> for sure. Absolutely. So um so what do you have on the agenda for spring? I don't know. I haven't I haven't really planned anything. I'm gonna we're I'm gonna get together with some friends and we're gonna do some seed bombs, but for my own yard I don't really know. I think uh We'll probably add some more fruit trees and try and get some more perennial vegetables going. Um, I don't, you know, I don't know. Have you had success with tree collards? I haven't. I tried, I guess, last year. And they seemed to take off. And then one day the um, fungus gnats appeared and that was the end of it. Hmm. Yeah, I've tried rooting them a couple times, and they just, they look like they're good for a couple weeks, and then they just rot. Yeah, we had, so there was a woman that lived here, and she had a permaculture homestead on like a half an acre, and she had huge success with them, but she's since moved to Spain. Mm, (laughs) Nice. (laughs) Yeah, I don't, I don't know who's running their homestead. You know, they sold it, and somebody, to somebody who was going to keep it up, but they're not active in the gardening community like she was so I'm not sure what's going on with them but I was always jealous of her I was jealous of her tree collards mm. yeah the people's videos I follow I've watched on YouTube I'm like I want mine like that but they're also in California so that might be my problem <laughs> yeah so what other yeah, perennial, uh, perennial vegetables do you have like Jerusalem artichokes and I did some walking onions and, okay um The sorrel and bloody dock. Right. Uh, we have asparagus with you know, all the strawberries. Um, I don't know. That's a lot. I mean, I need, to, <laughs> I need to get on the ball with, I keep trying to do artichokes and they keep dying on me. So I don't know. That's another one I may not be able to do. So <laughs> yeah. Trial and error. Um, Jerusalem artichokes or sunchokes? Have you done those? No, I've I've heard of them too. Um, I've just never a I've never, well, I've never looked online to try to buy them, but I've never seen them around here at the garden centers. So yeah, I, you know they don't have. I don't think they have a good shelf life. They're hard to store. Mm. But I could send you some if you want some. Um, yeah, I might be willing to try a couple. That would be cool. You have to have a good out of the way spot that because <laughs> really they get pretty them. big. Yeah, they get big and they, you know, once you have them, you don't get rid of them. Okay. But I'm good right. with, like, I we have enough space that I'm good with that, but I oh. think you do too. Uh, yeah, I've got plenty of space. I may just have to throw them in the yard somewhere, so. Yeah. 
Um, the seed bombs, where do you, you, where do you throw those at? Or are they first like, selling? No, they're not for selling. Um, I don't know. I, I just feel like this year I, I need to plant flowers wherever I can. <laughs> right. Sow yeah. some beauty. Yeah. That's, that's going to be the point of it. It's just, we're going to focus on the edible flowers, which people may or may not recognize as edible, but, um, right. You know, plant some food and plant some flowers all at the same time. That's cool. Do you have a special like recipe you follow to make them or? No, we'll find something online. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. That might be my signal. Yeah, that's fine. Um, I'll, uh, I'll just wrap up. Do you want to tell everybody where they can find you online? Sure. It's Renee-Garner.com and it's R-E-N-E-E-Garner, G-A-R-N-E-R.com. Okay, cool. And I'll put your Instagram on and Twitter on and like that on the show notes too for everybody. So, okay. Thanks for chatting. Talk to you later. All right. Good to talk to you. All right. Bye. Bye.